Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am Blake Harrison and joining me as ever, oh God, I, I messed up my words there. I couldn't even speak properly. You're the I'm actor. Just, I know, I know. This is bad, isn't it? It's because I was introducing someone other than myself. Oh, this is what like, happens when you don't like, get to talk about yourself. Yeah, it's, you see, yes, the narcissist in me was like, don't interested. say his name. Don't give him any credibility. It's all about don't me. Say it's all about me, the actor, me. Joining me as ever is Stu Whiffin. How you doing, mate? I'm all right. I'm all right. So, um, we've not had a catch-up since... Uh, the Stevie Ray ep- episode, which we recorded maybe three weeks ago. Was Stevie yeah, the last like one we done? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a while. It's been a minute, as they say. Well, that's what cool people say, isn't it? It's been a minute. Yeah. I don't know. Cool people say? No, not, not how one? would I know that? I'm not cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute, man. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, yeah, it's been a while. I've been in Vancouver. Doing some some work in in Vancouver, which I have to say, is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in my entire fucking life. It is incredible. It's like, uh, it's staying in this like nice, clean urban city. You walk twenty minutes down one road, and you're at the ocean, and then you just go out on a boat, and there's like mountains everywhere, friggin' humpback whales. Like it's not. You, you saw a whale. I saw a whale. I went whale watching, and I saw a humpback whale. Um, That's and, a good yeah, word it, to say, isn't it? Yeah, it's a humpback whale. Um, <laughs> and it was it was cool. I, he didn't really, like, breach as much as I wanted him to. I wanted him to, like, properly, like, you know, jump out, give me a wave with one of his fins or something. He just kind of, like, blew some air, showed me his tail a little bit. I was like, That's cool. But, you know, I would have wanted a little bit more. Oh, that's quite nice. I mean, yeah. I, I, I get what you wanted was the kind of sea sea life experience where like, they eat them with sticks and make them juggle and stuff like that, yeah? <laughs> no. No. Of his own free will, I just wanted him to entertain me. That's all. That's all I wanted. Not too much to ask. Didn't see any orcas. Apparently, you get a lot of orcas around there. Didn't see any of them. But it was still pretty cool. And just the scenery is frigging gorgeous. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Can you talk about what you was doing, uh, uh, aside from while yeah, watching? Yeah, it's been about... Um, uh, it, yeah, I was shooting a, a film called Spread, which uh, stars Harvey Keitel. So, wow. not, not too bad. Not too shabby. Was, was, just... was you on set at any point when he was there? Oh, yeah, mate. 
Yeah, yeah, me and Harvey, improv together. <laughs> Shut up, really? Yeah, yeah, it was surreal. It was fucking mad. I mean, he's Holy 83. Holy shit. But he's, he's Harvey a- Cartel. He's Harvey Keitel, yeah. He's Mr. White. He's, you know, Mr. Wolf. He's a lot of misters. Um, he's, yeah. It's, it's a he's Mr. Street. Fucking Cool. That's who he is. Yeah. So, oh, my God. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. And 83 years old, he's still, like, he's still brilliant, obviously. Yeah. And he's, like, improv and stuff. And, like, it's a comedy. So it's, like, it's really, like, nice and fun to do. And my character is, I don't know if I sent you a picture of him. He is proper out there. It's, like... So the story of it is um, this a a woman uh, played by Liz Gillies who I she was in like Dynasty recently and she did like some Disney stuff as a kid. She's got like fourteen million Instagram followers. Um, so yeah, she um, she is playing a woman who wants to be a journalist, but somehow kind of accidentally gets a job at a. Uh, a failing porn magazine and it sort of tries to make the porn magazine that's falling out of his arsehole a, uh, a a more kind of profitable business particularly aimed towards women and right. so she has to deal with a lot of the people there harvey Keitel's character runs the uh the porn mag uh called spread and i'm the it guy that falls in love with her as soon as he sees her and uh is just a big big massive weirdo uh Fantastic. so typecast obviously <laughs> uh just a big fucking weirdo um uh, so yeah so that's fun it's good I, I gotta ask you mate it's like i mean we've <laughs> we've been lucky through doing this podcast that we've found ourselves in rooms where i mean you getting to ask dana white you know questions uh, uh and and obviously we've you know we, we, we we've you know bumped into lots of our, our favourite fighters and stuff and been really lucky to, you know, to have, have had interactions with them. Um, you've obviously been an actor for, uh, you know, a fair few years now and, and you know, you've been in some in- incredible things with some incredible people. We talk about, I talk about imposter syndrome on my Off The Beaten Track podcast quite a lot and we speak about it sometimes when we talk to fighters. What's, I mean... Th- Taking nothing away from anything you've done previously, what what's going on in your head when you walk in a room and Harvey Cartel standing there? Um, I don't know. I was just. I think I was more kind of like worried about um, just. Be, I worry about being shit on most jobs. <laughs> so the fact that Harvey <laughs> Keitel was there didn't really make a huge difference. Uh, yeah. that's, just, that's just my general kind of like base level default paranoia setting. Don't was be just shit. Kind of there. Don't be shit. Um, I tell you what, I'm doing an American accent in it as well. So I, I was probably more worried about that than anything else. And also, in, in British comedy, we don't improvise as much as in American comedies. American comedy seems to improvise loads. So I was a little bit like, oh, I hope this is going to go okay. But it did. It, you know, touch wood and everything. It, it, it all went all right. And it was funny. And I felt like what I did was good and what everyone else was doing was, was really good. So hopefully, it'll be a really good, fun comedy film that you can go to and enjoy. People will laugh. All those things, you know. I'll be the judge of that. Um, Yeah, I know. Well, I was about to say, I thought as soon as I said I was doing an American accent, you'd have been like, oh, well, that just sounds Welsh. So, 
<laughs> well, look, we've missed so many events um, to, to chat about. I know we've, we've we've got our little WhatsApp group, and we have a we have a little natter with with Pip and Brian about some bits and bobs that's going on, and we'll definitely get them two boys back on um, uh, for a, a catch up episode soon as well, because we've not had a had a big boys a boys natter for uh, for a while. Um, and I think the first event that we done the pre but didn't do the post was, I guess, one of the most bananas events in the kind of few days leading up to it was was Diaz Ferguson. I mean, I know when we done the the pre-show, we wasn't talking about Diaz Ferguson. We was talking about Diaz Hamzat and uh, and Tony versus. Um, Tony versus who was Tony? Lee uh, Zhang, of course, yeah. Who turned up to the press um, conference in his suit on his own? Um, yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're going to discuss like Dern Janan that happened. Uh, what's it? Saturday night and a little bit of Bella. Well, do you want to start with that? Do you want to well? start with what well, we've just missed? I just, all I didn't want is people to go. Hang on a minute. Am I going to have to sit through loads of chat about two seven nine, which was like three weeks ago, and I've heard it on other podcasts and all that stuff. We do want to talk a little bit about it, particularly about where Hamza and Nate and all that stuff are mm-hmm. going from here. But we don't want to like bore you with something you've heard to put five yeah. hours of since because it was so long ago. But um but yeah. no let's start with we'll start with with a little bit on two seven nine because it was mental. Um I suppose it's like I remember doing the pre show and saying I didn't like most of the matchups. I would have rather Nate to fight Tony, all that stuff. And then it's like I think every collective MMA's fans dream came true. Yeah. Like the MMA gods were listening. They worked their magic and somehow Hamzat missed weight by like eight pounds or whatever the frig it was. And the whole card gets turned on its head. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing really to the fact that the fact that we got Nate V Tony and Nate, won that fight and rode off into the sunset, in my opinion, probably to fight Jake Paul next in a boxing match or something like that. But how do you, not dwelling too much on the fight itself or the preamble, because that's what a lot of people listen to. What's, what do you see happening for Nate? Cause he's got, he's like, is it real, real fight promotion that he's, yeah. um he's going to have now as well? Like what's next for Nate? Do you think it's boxing Jake Paul? I I think that's probably. I mean, don't get me wrong. He could do anything, and everybody would watch it. Uh, I won't get into the fight, but the both that that fight wasn't a particularly great fight. It was. I think it was a very good thing that Hamzat wasn't in that fight because I think oh, it, sure. it would have been a, a very horrible evening for for Nate. Um, I I think Nate's proved himself. Uh, it was a perfect way to finish with the UFC, I think. Leave that well alone now. Um, you know, I, I think he's time to step away from that because there's too many up-and-coming killers. There's probably a couple of fun fights that you'd like to see him in, but I think ultimately he's made his money. He's come out of the UFC perfectly on that night. He's an absolute fan favourite. We love him. You know, every MMA fan loves Nate and Nick. Um and I think if you want to go and make $10 million or however much you earn fighting a bloke off of YouTube, do it, mate. 
Like, why yeah. wouldn't you? Like, you I know, mean, he's I don't got like nothing else to prove, has he? No, no, Nate's a legend. I mean, he's sort of, sort of, in a way, like, won the fight game because he was never George St. Pierre. He was never Khabib Nurmagomedov. He was never. But like, that's why we love him. Some champion. Well, yeah, exactly. But he still come out of there with more money than the vast, vast, vast majority of fighters, even some that have been champions. Mm. And he's left sort of on his terms to then go and make even more money as, you know, a free agent. Great, isn't Which, it? <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, it's like there's not many people that will be able to say they've done that. Yeah. To be able to have retired with a win after making loads and loads of money, but yet never really being like a, a, a champion or anything mm-hmm. like that, and then still have the potential to make ridiculous sums of money in the combat sports world post your UFC career. That's a very, very special achievement, I think, and there's not many people that will be able to do that. In terms of his fight with Jake Paul, Jake Paul, by the way, is fighting Anderson Silva. Mm. So... Win or lose, Jake Paul can fight Nate Diaz next. If he loses to Anderson Silva, people will still watch him fight Nate, I think. If he beats Anderson Silva, people will watch him fight Nate. But I just, I've got not a huge amount of interest in it just because A, I very rarely have any interest in the Jake Paul fights. But B, he's going to be a lot bigger than Nate. He's probably a better boxer than Nate. I know Nate has got like nice hands and all that kind of stuff, but. He's not a knockout artist. He's not, you know, he doesn't hit with any huge amount of power. Obviously, he's taken so much punishment over the years. I can I can see Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz going quite badly for Nate. And that obviously just makes us all feel a little bit sad. So I don't enjoy the idea of that fight, but I do like the idea of Nate just going, oh, I'm just going to go and do whatever I want to go and make shit tons of money. So good luck to him. Absolutely. Um, is, is anyone interested in, in Tony fighting on? Oh, I, do you know what? I Up until that fight with Nate... Sorry, let me take that back. Now, People, the, Tony's got a huge fan base, and there's plenty of Tony oh, Ferguson yeah. fans out there, and I didn't mean it in a derogatory way like that. Um, but th- th- they did look... Both looked, I thought, quite old and uh, in, in that fight. And I, and I think, do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not yeah. suggesting they're not elite level fighters, but when you look further down that card at people like Hamzat, you know, that that's what's coming through. And I think that made them look a little bit more older and, and out of place at that level. Yeah, I mean, I before this fight, there were people talking about Paddy fighting Tony. Mm-hmm. And I was against it because I was like, Paddy doesn't need to be shot straight up there against someone like Tony Ferguson in my head, who, you know, in that first round against Michael Chandler, beat him mm-hmm. and then obviously ate that ridiculous front kick to the mm-hmm. face uh, that was just awful. Um, prior to that, he'd been beaten by Benil Dariush, who has got a claim to a title shot. Charles Oliveira, who's the champion at the moment. Oh, well, technically he's not the champion, is he? But he sort of is the champion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Justin Gaethje. And again, most of those by decision. 
So, like, Tony's only beaten by the best of the best. Yeah. So, when they were talking about Paddy fighting Tony, I was I was against it in because I felt like Paddy should earn that shot more, and I felt like Tony would be a real handful for him. But after watching the Nate Diaz fight, I almost think I'm not interested in that fight for the complete opposite reason. I think I actually think Paddy would do him now. Uh, uh, really? Uh, yeah, I think if they made Paddy v Tony tomorrow, Paddy's the favourite. Wow. I know. And, I, and before the Nate Diaz fight, I wouldn't necessarily have said, I would have said it was a very close fight. Obviously, Paddy's on a great run, but he's not for anyone the level of Tony. And Tony's only been beaten by the best of the best. But you can't say that anymore because Tony was beat by Nate Diaz. Uh, don't, and and com- comfortably, I think, convincingly yeah. beat by Nate Diaz. So... So, yeah, so I worry about that fight the complete opposite way. I mean, I'm now looking at Tony Ferguson, which is such a big drop-off, but I'm now looking at Tony Ferguson and going, well, if Nick Diaz has to fight again, you make Nick Diaz Tony Ferguson. Maybe. Maybe. But that's such a drop-off, isn't it? That's a huge drop-off. Yeah. I mean, to put Tony in with Paddy. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're seeing. I mean, obviously he's ranked a lot higher than what, what Paddy's. But you know, seeing, you know, Sugar getting Peter Yarn, it was like, whoa, there's a, there's an exciting fight I did not see coming. And and I guess, you know, Tony's got a huge name, but he, you know, he's earned that name through absolute wars and being one of the greatest of, of all time. Um, Paddy's got huge huge following and huge media i mean when we was at london when he walked out into that octagon it was unbelievable the noise for paddy unbelievable and and, you know he's done nothing wrong so far in his ufc career and obviously we're both huge fans of paddy i I don't want to see paddy versus tony just yet um I, i don't think i think it's too much of a jump in I think it's too much of a jump for Paddy at the moment. I really do. So just, just making it cut and dry, you think if a fight is made between Tony and Paddy, Tony wins that fight? Uh, see, I've been, I've been getting a bit of shit for not getting off the fence on things like this. <laughs> uh, I don't think, I don't think Paddy deserves that fight at the moment. I think there's other fighters ranked above Paddy that That's, if they could yeah. get a good payday against a name like Tony Ferguson, uh, who is still, you've just rattled off like who he's been beaten by. And, you know, I, I, I think there's other fighters that deserve that shot. I think Paddy will get there a hundred percent, but I just think a little bit too, if it's too soon there's, for him, but, but I haven't the answered the question. No, I, I don't want to see Tony fight any ranked lightweight. I don't want to see it because I think he gets done. Well, Paddy's and, the money fight there then, isn't it? Because Paddy's media well, profile but is that's so what I'm huge. Saying. So yeah. Paddy's unranked, but still a huge name. And there are people out there, particularly outside of the UK, that think, that think Paddy the Baddie is incredibly beatable. I listen to other podcasts and talk about this. There's, there's, there's a, a group of people out there that, that think Paddy is an overrated fighter. Mm-hmm. And so is that, therefore, the best fight you can make 
for Tony if he wants to continue fighting because if he hung the gloves up now, I'd go, uh, I'd sort of breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. I'd, I'd be quite happy to not see Tony fight again now. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see. But I mean, I, I'm now looking at the idea of Paddy versus Tony and going, I, uh, I, I worry for Tony in that fight. I mean, Paddy you think Paddy comes would him? I think Paddy would come out the way Paddy's come out in all his UFC fights, going Rising. for his head very, very quickly. And Tony, post that Gaethje fight, where he kind of, the, the fight was stopped by Herb in the fifth round and Tony just looked like he just, he was on his feet, but he just looked like he'd just taken way too much yeah. damage. And then you throw in the Michael Chandler front kick as well. <laughs> no, I, I, I think Paddy clips him and he's, he's out. I think, I think the chin might be gone. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to see it now for the complete opposite reason than what I didn't want to see it previously. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so what happens with Tony? I, I just don't know. I, I, I'd be quite happy for him to hang the gloves up, but if he wants to still compete, I don't want him fighting anyone ranked. And I don't like the idea of him being at welterweight really either, because mm. I think, I think the size difference there and all that, I, I, he's, he's, He's not a huge lightweight. I know he has fought at welterweight before, but he's not a huge lightweight. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we, we've spoke about two people that are, I, I guess their 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 finest days are behind them now, and uh, and they're both in the twilight yeah. years and and of their careers now. Um, Hamzat Chimaev, very much man of the moment. Um, shitty. Just shitty attitude to 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 your weight cut. You know, I don't know what happened in that weight cut, but whatever happens when you're fighting that level of fight with that much money involved in it and that much pending on on a winning that fight, you know, you make weight. You know, and and I think like you know, whatever happened, don't get me wrong, it worked out that the right fights were probably made on that card. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm. I'm going to throw out there. I'm I'm losing a lot of respect and interest in him as a person. Um, I don't really like the way he talks. Uh, I, I don't think it's particularly gracious. I don't think it was very... I don't know if he's decided that he's now going to portray himself as the bad guy. I don't know. But he didn't do anything... Uh, that weekend to endear himself to me in any way, shape, or form. Not that he gives a fuck, but um, I didn't like. I didn't like his attitude. He's he's fight. He's fighting. He's he's obviously different level, and and I think we're going to see, yeah. you know, some really. We're going to ultimately see him as a, as a champ. I think soon. But yeah, uh, I just think like it just that whole approach to it was pretty shit. Yeah, I mean, there's stories coming out about the fact that the doctor told him to stop cutting weight and all that stuff. But you're right, there, there's an element of be there on the scales, being like, sorry, guys, rather than, you know, I can't remember exactly what he did, but he didn't look um, upset, did he? No, he's um, laughing. Yeah. Did he flip the bird as well? I can't remember. I'm not sure. Um, I can't I'm sure remember. he at some point would have said, I'm going to kill everyone about 50 fucking times in every interview. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> Um, see, I don't, I don't mind the shtick. I don't like the not being happy about the, or I don't like the laughing at not making weight. Hmm. 
But the whole, I'm going to kill this guy and I'm going to eat him and all this kind of smash him. I love all of that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. And I, I think the, the performance is matched with that kind of thing. It is like sort of playing the bad guy. It's the final mm. boss of the movie, the game and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't mind it. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I think ultimately the performances will bring people around. I think he's going to be the bad guy. Maybe in this fight, maybe in, in obviously in this fight and then in, in the fight that he has coming up, he'll probably be the bad guy a little bit. But I think as soon as he mauls everyone and then just talks in the way that he does, I think people will sort of gravitate towards him again. I don't think he's going to lose that much stock to the point where he can't gain it back. I think he'll gain it back in one or two fights, probably, especially if they're impressive performances. I think the big question is, is he now a middleweight? Or does he go back to welterweight? That's the really big question on on everyone's lips is of what's going to happen. Because he hadn't missed weight before, but he did in that Gilbert Burns thing have that slight kind of Daniel Cormier towel situation going on. Um, so can he make 170? If he believes and his camp believes he can make 170, I think his coach has come out and said he wants him to make 185 next. But if they want him to make 170, I think he needs to prove that he can do it again before fighting for the belt. And I think that Colby Covington won't take the fight with him because there's no guarantee that he'll make weight. And that's understandable. So he's got to fight someone that is a top end guy that will also be happy to fight Shamayev because he's a way bigger name than they are. And that leads me to the winner of Bilal Mohamed, Sean Brady, that happens on October 22nd at UFC. I want to say 282. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. No, 280. 280, yeah. is it? Um, yeah, the Islam Makachev Oliveira card. Um, so Sean Brady versus Bilal Mohamed. Huge fight on that card at welterweight. Two fantastic fighters that are overlooked by some of the more bigger names in the division, like your Hamzat Usman's, Leon Edwards, and and the like. Masvidal and such. Um, and I think he should fight the winner of that, prove that he can make 170, win that fight against two people that are very good grapplers, particularly Sean Brady, um, prove that he wins it, and then he gets a title shot at 170, no problem. If he moves up to middleweight, I think the obvious fight is Paolo Costa. There's a built-in storyline there. They've had loads of beef. They've had loads of altercations. Um, and I don't like the idea as much as I liked the idea of him fighting Robert Whittaker a while ago when I thought there was no problem with him being at welterweight I now think if he cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Potentially wants to do a fight at middleweight because that's where his future lies. Don't let him fight Whitaker now. Just think, what if Whitaker beats him? Then what do you do? He's just kind of sat in middleweight taking fights. Let him fight Paolo Costa, which has got built-in like beef into the storyline. Mm-hmm. It's a more winnable fight for him. Not that Hamzat needs winnable fights. He's, everyone's a winnable fight for Hamzat at the moment, it seems. But let him fight Costa. If he wins that fight, give him a title shot straight away against either Adesanya, Pereira, whatever happens there. And then in one of his first title defenses, he can fight Robert Whitaker because Robert Whitaker really and truly is, is clearly the second best middleweight in the world at the moment deserves to fight for the title, but he can't fight Adesanya for a third time, especially in this quick succession. So try and give someone else the belt, whether it's Pereira or Hamza, if they can beat Adesanya and then Whitaker can get a title shot. So don't make the Hamzat Whitaker fight now when there's no belt on the line. Wait, get him to fight Costa. He beats Costa, let him fight potentially Adesanya. And then he can fight Whitaker for his first title shot. That makes the most sense to me for, for a Hamzat trajectory if he's going to go to 185. I'm down with a, I'm down with a Costa fight. Uh, I'd like to see that. The build-up would be fun. The bit, yeah. like, it'll be ridiculous because, again... Ariel Hawani keeps tweeting out about like, God, the baby face turn of, of Paolo Costa. Everyone's now a big Paolo Costa fan. Cause he's like cutting people's hair on the MMA hour and eating liver with the liver key. I'm like, no one I know likes Paolo Costa. Like no one is really buying into this new thing of Paolo. It's like, no, we still remember that he was a massive dick with the Vittori weight cut. He was a massive dick with the whole drinking, saying he was drinking red wine before the Adesanya fight. Like, no one is a huge Paolo Costa fan, as far as I'm aware. It's this weird false he's, narrative. He's winning me over, I've got to be honest. No! Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll have to take it all back then. What, all the, all the what secret juice stuff making me smile. Oh, <clears throat> I mean, really? Yeah, he's handsome as well, isn't he? I mean, well, obviously he's handsome, yeah. He's a gorgeous man. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but it's just, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not into it. I'm not, I'm not, I still think... No, he's not a baby face. It's just that Hamzat's also a bit of a bad guy. It's a bad guy versus bad guy fight. It's not a baby face heel fight or something. I mean, we're talking middleweight and welterweight. Like, where's where's Darren Till in the mix at the moment? What's going on? Has there been any word on on, on what the deal is with him? I think he's booked to fight Drickus Duplessis. Oh, really? Yeah, but I don't know when that is. But I think he's booked to fight him. Oh, I'm as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I, I think that's a great fight for him because Drickus. He's a good fighter, but yeah. he showed some holes in his game last time. The, the cardio looked a bit dodgy. He was just kind of slugging away. And Darren is a methodical striker to the point where sometimes 
I think he sort of stifles his own striking because he overthinks. That's that's in my head. I I feel like he should let things loose a little bit more when he strikes recently. Um, but he's a very technical, methodical striker. And if Drickus Duplessis gasses out quickly because he's trying to take his head off and he hasn't, and then he's left with Darren Till in front of him who's picking shots, who can hit hard, I think Drickus could be in trouble. So I think it's a very good fight for both Drickus in terms of getting the name value of Darren Till if he wins. But it's a good fight for Darren as well because he's not got to worry about someone spamming takedowns on him or anything like that. It'll be someone that's fighting him stood up. And I think someone that's a less technically sound striker, but the problem is maybe someone that is going to throw caution to the wind and start and going for him. And I don't know how Darren's going to react to that. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Should we touch on um, former guest of the show, uh, Corey Sandhagen? Because uh, that's a fight that... Uh, I mean, was there anything else on, on, on the previous card that you wanted to touch on? No, other than, like, I feel super sorry for Li Jing Liang. He got the worst deal of that whole fucking yeah, week. He, really he went out and bought a lovely suit that he couldn't show because they cancelled the press conference. Then he has to, like, accept a fight with uh, Rodriguez when he was supposed to be fighting Tony Ferguson. And Daniel Rodriguez was 10 pounds heavier than him. Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. It was so apparent as well. Was, uh, yeah, and he's less of a name. And yeah. I think Li Jingliang won the fight. Oh, I thought he won I that. I he won the fight. So he was so fucked that whole week. No one had a worse week than Li Jingliang. That yeah. was so bad. That is like one of the worst MMA weeks ever. Can't Absolutely. wear your fancy suit. Then you have an opponent change against a guy with less of a name than your original opponent, and he's 10 pounds heavier than you. And then the judges, in my opinion, score the fight wrong. Yeah. 100%. That sucks. That absolutely 100%. sucks. I think the UFC will be kind to him. I think they. You uh, would hope. You, you, you really would hope. Like, that's, a, that's a rough old. You know, he got the wrong end of the deal. You know, all the right fights are made elsewhere. And. You know, he was the unfortunately the runt of the litter that got yeah. what what was left and and yeah and come out of it the wrong end as well. I think we should chat about what happened over this weekend. Okay, I mean, let's let's make it current. I mean, well, but I, I, is it I, fair I, to I, say you didn't watch too much of it? Is that right? No. So I saw I saw the Latifi fight and because um, I. <laughs> I uh, let, let me just pull up the the, the, the card because uh, we're talking about um, uh, the uh, the Mackenzie Dern um, uh, and Yang Jinan uh, fight. Um, where we go? Here we go. Here's the results. Yeah, um, and so I remember like, I, I had some friends around and uh, and I had a couple of drinks and in my mind the Latifi fight was. Uh, the the last fight before Dern. Uh unbeknown to me it was on the prelims. And so I just thought, oh, I'm gonna <laughs> about to get the main fight. And it was like midnight or whatever. So I thought I'm gonna stay up and uh, and watch that. And then uh the where is it? Let me just pull up the results. I just need to uh pull them up because the um the the fight that I saw that um Topped the uh, the prelims. I'm trying to remember who it was. Let me just pull it out. Fight results um, was absolutely amazing. It was um, oh, was it Joaquim Silva versus Jesse Ronson? Boom, that's the one. Uh, yeah, 
my uh, my internet's been very very uh, uh, tricky at the moment. Bear with me a sec. Um, yeah, and I, and I thought that was really good. And then I was like, oh, I think I've misjudged this. I've now got another like five fights, and I was like, yeah, I've had too much red wine, and it's too late. I'm going to bed, <laughs> and I've not had a chance to uh, to catch up. I've obviously seen um, what the uh, the re- results were. Um, yeah, did you watch? I've, I've I kind of cherry picked a few fights uh, that I watched because it was just yeah I, I, I've been busy over the weekend with the kids and all that kind of stuff so I cherry picked a few fights. I watched Yan Janan versus Mackenzie Dern and no I sorry really... sorry sorry the fight I was talking about was um, uh, Castaneda and Santos uh, which got fight of the night as well. I thought it was fantastic. Oh right. No, I, 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 I didn't see that fight. Mm. I did not see that fight. Um but I did see uh Yan Janam versus Mackenzie Dern. How uh, was that? I thought it was a pretty good fight. It was sort of back and forth a little bit, but it was like Janan won the first and then it was just it's so interesting watching people that are like full on jujitsu specialists and it always baffles me. I'm sure there's a legit reason for it. But it always baffles me that jiu-jitsu specialists like your Damian Myers, your Paul Craigs, and now like Mackenzie Derns, when it gets to the ground, they are lethal. But yeah. getting it to the ground seems difficult for them, whereas obviously the wrestlers seem to... I just like, I, I don't know... In my, I, I'm sure it, this is just a stupid armchair fan's perspective where there's something I'm completely missing here. But I'm like, are you? Are they not just doing constant wrestling classes to just learn more double legs and single legs, just to get to just to just get the fight to the ground so much easier? It I seems to be such an effort for jiu-jitsu specialists to get the fight to the ground where they are the best. Like, you, you and Mackenzie Dern did it like twice, but... One of them was like by accident. They sort of fell on each other, it seems. And then another one was like that, that thing of like kind of trying to pull guard. So you've pulled someone on top of you where they're in a more advantageous position, knowing that you'll be able to reverse it and do other things and, and stuff like that. And that's sort of where it went. But I'm like, why, why, why are there not more like taking... Again, it's probably a stupid fan perspective and I'll hold my hands up to that. But, but I look as a at fan, some of the best wrestlers, I'm uh, like, what they they just blitz in double legs, your Curtis Blades and your people like that. Yeah, I don't know. What were you gonna say? Because you're you're right. You see it with like specialists like you know, like Ryan Hall's a prime example. Like, you know, you, you he's just yes. you're just waiting for that opportunity and, and to the point where he will just roll around the floor. And we saw it with with um uh, with Paul Craig at uh, the London card. Yeah. You know, he, he was just trying to get him to the the ground. And, and in the end, it was like, it was almost quite an awkward fight to watch, wasn't it? Because yeah. it, it, it wasn't looking like he was going to get him to the ground. And, and I think, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a, a, a lazy assumption. Uh, I, I think if someone's speciality is that, but and it's not working, then there should be you know, a, a, a backup plan to get him down. But I don't know, you know, you're fighting uh, Yan Jinan, who he's no joke. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. like, and I'm sure she's obviously based a big part of her training in not getting taken down by uh, Mackenzie Dern yeah. because that's not a place, you, you know, anyone wants to be. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the what's coming up, I think Mackenzie Dern was. You know, she's not far off a, a title shot potentially had she won that fight. But unfortunately for her, it went to Jan, Yan Janan. I think that was the right decision. Some people were giving 10 eights, I think maybe in round two and maybe round five or something like that, in which case you could maybe score it for Mackenzie Dern. But I. I don't think I gave any 10-8s. I think I kept... And one of the judges, I think, scored it like 29-29 or something like that. I can't remember. So it was... Uh, so the judge probably saw a 10-8 in there as well. But two of the judges scored it how I did, I think, which was just a... Uh, uh, yeah, not... Sorry, 29-28 would be a three-round fight, wouldn't it? Basically, three rounds to two for Yan Janan is yeah. how I scored it. And that's how two of the judges scored it as well. I feel like that was the right decision. Um Yan Janan survived because that fourth round, she had Mackenzie on her for most of the round and was struggling to to keep out of Oma platters and chokes and arm bars and all sorts of things. But she did it. She survived. She did well. She's working down at Team Team Alpha Male with like Uriah Faber and stuff like that. So, you know, she's clearly improving that side of her game and she survived it. I think... What could be an interesting fight next for Yan Janan is maybe Rose Namajunas. Rose, I don't think, fights for the belt straight away because she had that awful fight with Carla Esparza. Mm-hmm. Carla is fighting Zhang Wei Li next. If Zhang wins, then yes, Rose does have two wins over Zhang Wei Li. But do you really want to see a third fight between them so soon? I don't. So I think maybe you do something like Rose Namajunas versus Yan Zhaonan. And I tell you what, I think the UFC would really love it if Yan Zhaonan versus Zhang Wei Li was a fight they could make for that belt because they uh, apparently want, really want to break into the Asia market. I think they've got fight cards lined up to happen in Asia over the next year or so. So Zhang Wei Li versus Yan Zhaonan Huge. in China, Thailand, wherever they're doing cards in Asia could be massive for them in yeah. terms of a business thing. So I think yeah. giving Yang Zhanan a fight against Rose Namajunas in a number one contender fight, mm-hmm. that that could be a really good fight. But then Rose herself has mentioned moving up to 125, but she's also very good friends with Valentina Shevchenko. So I don't know how that would work, if that would work, but that's the fight I want to see. Yang Zhanan versus Rose Namajunas, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I'm down with that. I was, um, tell me about Randy Bryan and Trinaldo. Do you know what? I love Randy Brown. I yeah. think he's got a, such a laid-back style. But yet he's so long and rangy and does really great strikes and stuff. I really like Randy Brown. Uh, I think the decision was correct, 29-28. There's a couple of things I want to talk about. One, I think Randy Brown, when he starts fighting up into the rankings, God, he's got to work on his ground game because Trinaldo is a fair amount smaller than him and was dominating him on the ground in that last really? round. Really, really dominating him on the ground in that last round. And But Brown survived, which is great. But you you put Randy Brown up against, oh, obviously a Hamzat, but like mm. Sean Brady, Bilal Muhammad, Kamaru Usman. I mean, anyone that's a half-decent grappler, wrestler in that welterweight division, Colby Covington, there's a lot of them in that big top problems. end of that division. Big, big problems. I think you really struggle because Trinaldo's smaller than a lot of those guys. 
So even with Trinaldo's size disadvantage against Randy Brown, Randy still couldn't get back to his feet very easily. So I think he's really got to work on that there. And I think there's a ceiling for Randy Brown at the moment against any decent grappler in the welterweight division. So I think there's improvements to be made there. But I love his style. I think he's a really great fighter. One thing he did do, I don't know if it was in the first round, was a very, very blatant fence grab. Trinaldo had him, was pulling him away from the fence, and Randy Brown was really down low but grabbed the fence in order to stop his legs being taken from under him. And it just made me think... What would you do? What's what's the appropriate punishment for that? Because what we see with a lot of these like fence grabs and stuff like that is there's no punishment. There's there is no punishment. It's just I, don't do don't do that. And sometimes they smack their hand away, and sometimes it leads to a takedown actually happening. But sometimes the damage has been done, and the takedown has been avoided. So they've won. They've cheated, and they've won. So. What's the right thing? Do you think a point should have been ta- should be taken away whenever that happens? Which does feel very harsh when you're talking about the ten point must system in the way that it's it's used. Like it just feels like a really harsh thing. But I tell you what, it would stop people doing it. Take um, off a finger. Take off a finger. They wouldn't do it again yeah. after that, mate. That that's very true. Let's go like proper Roman or like I've just started episode one of House of Dragons. That's very House of Dragons style. There you go. Uh, there you go. Nip it in the bud, mate. You don't have to make an example out of a couple of fighters and you'd never see it again. I'll tell you what, as soon as the ref goes into the octagon with that sword, you are going to be shitting yourself. Yeah, uh, She's got a big broad sword and like a tiny little chopping block for fingers. Um, just standard ref attire. Oh, brilliant. Um, it's the fact Mark Goddard's just got some bolt cutters on his belt. I, fucking hell. I, I, Mark Goddard, I could just imagine Mark Goddard now just really knowing his way with a broadsword. Oh, I'm, I'm telling it you, suits if him the UFC down to the ground. said, Mark, look, we've uh, we've changed the rules here, he'd be all over that. He'd, he'd be like, yep, yeah, no worries. I'll just, uh, I was sharpening my sword this morning, funnily yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a collection of broadswords <laughs> yeah. and shields. He's been waiting for this moment. <laughs> oh, God, hasn't he just? Um, but, uh, yeah, um, but, yeah, I don't know, and I, I kind of think, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think there should be more, um, like, changing of position. Like, going, oh, you grabbed the fence to stop a takedown, so now you have to start... We, we pause in the action, and we restart the action with you on bottom with your opponent in guard or something like that. I, I think that's you know, fair. Any because for some things. reason, it's, it's looked upon as, like, a minor hiccup and it's like you're not going to take a point for do it one time but that one time couldn't have a massive you know bearing on the fight you know and so i think what you said really makes sense i think you know if you repeat you know repeat that then i'm I'm sure at some point the ref will go right i'm taking a point but 
like you said, only takes one that you get away with that can really change the outcome well, of a fight. Judging by the third round, had Trinaldo got him down in the first round, Brown wasn't getting back up. I know he would have had more energy, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. So it's all hypothetical. But, but Brown struggled massively in that third round. It makes me think maybe he would have struggled in the first round. And if that's the case, then Trinaldo could have won that fight. And, you know, he sent, you know, without putting too much drama on the situation, he's cheated. Yeah. You yes, know, and yeah. That, 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 that is cheating and he's not been, he's not been punished for it. No. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wonder if there should be more things like that, you know, some kind of minor infringement that feels really harsh to take a point away. But, you know, maybe you, you have to just start in a different position and, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't know if you would, but maybe you could do similar things for eye pokes, groin strikes, mm. stuff like that. I don't know. You go, right, you've made the mistake of doing that. I know you shouldn't have, uh, you know, you maybe didn't mean to, but now we've got to start where your opponent wants the, the thing to start, whether that's in guard on the ground or, or maybe that's a bit harsh. I feel like the fence grab, it works because it's because pre- you're preventing a takedown that should have happened. So you should stop the action and go, the takedown did happen, get in guard. Yeah. Groin strikes maybe less so because again it's so awkward when people are moving and stuff as well. I think I think that would be quite harsh if you're having a stand up exchange and there's just an accident or groin kick and then you're like now you're on your back. Yeah, that's maybe a bit too harsh. But for the fence grabs, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We also I I didn't really see I saw Sadiq Yusuf with a like a thirty second guillotine or whatever the hell yeah. it was that he he wrapped up on Don Shanus who came in from the regional scene in America. So I don't know how much credibility to put on that win, really. Um, I didn't see much else of the UFC card that's worth talking about, in my opinion. Uh, did you want to talk about anything, or do you want to quickly move no, on to a little I, bit I, of Bellator? I, I, I just want to touch on some retirements, because I think Latifi oh, yeah. potentially retired. I think he uh, he got the win over uh, Olenek, uh and I think... You know, he was basically as good as said, like, I think I'm done. Yeah. Um, you know, entertaining fighter over the years. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, if he has retired, then uh, enjoy your retirement, uh, Latifi. But before we touch on Bellator, I want to touch on the, the retirement that um, I, I think a lot of us didn't see coming. Um, yeah. And that's the retirement of um, Jose Aldo. Because, yeah. I mean, w- w- what an absolute... Well, he, yeah, he's a goat, isn't he? Oh, for sure. I think he's he's got to be one of the best fighters ever. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, John Jones is the youngest ever UFC champion, but Jose Aldo was younger than him when he was the WEC champion, and it's just yeah. that the UFC didn't have the lighter weight classes at the time. So there's an argument to be made that the youngest ever UFC champion really is Jose Aldo. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what just an unbelievable career. I'm I'm looking through uh some of his wins now and stuff. I mean going for Cub Swanson, Mike Brown, Uriah Faber, Kenny Florian, Chad Mendes, Frankie Edgar, Korean Zombie, Ricardo Lamas, Chad Mendes again, uh Frankie Edgar again, Jeremy Stevens, Renato Moicano, Marlon Vera, and look how good Vera's looked recently. Pedro Munoz, Rob Font, when Rob Font was on a tear recently. I mean... Let's just look he, at all of their names, been, right? 
he could have been fighting for the belt rather than fighting Rob Divalishvili recently. Yeah. Because he was on a free fight win streak and he's Jose yep. fucking Aldo. Yeah. That every name that you've listed there is not a prospect. Every name on there is a champion or a stone cold top three ranked killer. Yep. Jose was absolutely unstoppable. I don't know. I'd like to say that the, the Connor fight had some bearing on the remainder of his career, but it didn't because he come back and had another absolute tear. Like you say, beating Rob Font. Like, yeah. And it was, yeah, it, uh, we was talking maybe two months ago uh, or even less than that about the fact that Jose could be getting that title shot again. And, uh, and, and also just seems like one of the most loveliest guys around as well. Just seems like such a nice yeah. dude. And uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, I, 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 you know, just seeing some of the kind of reactions online, he's just the greatest of the greats, all just saying, you know, absolute goat, like yeah. one of the best. And, uh, yeah. Um, something I did see on social media this week before we get on to Bellator. Um, I don't know if Michael Bisping's going to come out of retirement and fight Conor McGregor. Um, I think, <laughs> I think Conor was like just looking through the, uh, his, uh, his UFC phone book of, uh, of Twitter contacts as to who he hasn't moaned about or had a go at. And, uh, it turns out it's Mike Bisping, like, uh, this week. So he's, uh, he started digging him out and, uh, and you're not going to get a polite response from Bisping, are you? If, if you poke that, you, you're going to get a mouthful back, aren't you? And that's what happened. And, uh, I just, I've seen some footage of of Connor back um, sparring. I don't know what, where, when he's going to ever make a comeback. And I know it's impossible to do an episode about talking about him, but it's becoming more and more, I'm becoming more and more uninterested in, in seeing him compete again. Well, he's acting now, isn't he? He's, he's doing a, the Roadhouse remake with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, so that's what he's doing at the moment and why he's looking so... So hench, and that's what I think the beef with Bisping was. I mean, they have it had was. altercations in the past, mm. um, but uh, but yeah, that's what the beef with Bisping was about. Something to do with acting. I don't know. I don't really get it. But yeah, I mean, I want to I'd... touch on Rodas, right? Have you ever seen the original Rodas? No, I know it's Patrick Swayze, but I've not seen it. Right, it's one of them films that people regard as like this great film. Right, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Like I've I've watched it a lot when I was growing up, and uh, and it's really terrible. There's a fight scene where um, a big fat guy gets taken out by a stuffed bear. That gives you an insight <laughs> into how bad that film is, and I don't know why they're remaking it. It's a shockingly bad film. Um, I ask. I, I would. I would definitely say to our listeners if you've got nostalgic fond recollection of rodas which i did uh and then um somebody that worked with my wife when um said to her like, oh yeah it's one of the greatest films ever so she was oh should we watch it and i was like definitely i'll watch it again i love it put it on and i was like oh my god this is so bad like so bad uh and yet they're remaking it with jake gillenhall who's a legit superstar yeah, I don't know. Maybe um, they're obviously going to make it good. That's just one of the weird things. Like, you can use the name Roadhouse and go, oh, people know what it is and might be interested in seeing it. So it's got a built-in fan base already, and we can also actually make a good movie out of it. So, yeah, yeah maybe they will. Who fucking knows? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. 
Um, but uh, Bellator gonna, or Sandhagen? Which well, one do? No, do you know what? I just want to stick with Aldo a little bit because I oh, think okay. he, he truly deserves it. Sorry, we should I have mean, just glossed over Aldo and started talking about Conor McGregor again, should but we? But that's what happens, <laughs> isn't it? But that's oh, no. that. That is what happens. Like so many fans now. They've never really seen Jose Aldo in his prime. They, yeah. well, I, I mean, unless you count what recently as his prime, because he he went through such a tear that we just spoke about. Was twenty four and one, no, twenty five and one before he met Conor McGregor, and we all know about the the thirteen second KO. If they fought ten times, would that have happened again? Probably not. The build-up to the fight, Aldo was so kind of out of his comfort zone with this world tour and the way Connor was behaving. It was the perfect game plan from Connor from like six months prior to the fight took place. It was the perfect game plan from Connor, and you have to respect it and tip your hat to it. But even when you look at the losses that Aldo has had, you've got Connor, then you've got Max Holloway twice. Against Max Holloway. And not to mention what you've got to remember when you're looking at any featherweight at the time. They had had Jose Aldo was like the top dog in the featherweight division from about 2008, 2009. Yeah. So he then that gets That in beat. itself is amazing. But what it means is any featherweight has been training for a good six years before Connor came along to fight Jose Aldo. And then Max Holloway beat him in 2017. This is this nearly 10 years of dominance that Aldo yeah. had, where That's every fine. young fighter coming up is like, oh, uh, to be a champion, I'd need to learn how to beat someone like Jose Aldo. And they're training for Jose Aldo. And they still can't do anything about Jose Aldo until you get to Connor. And then Max Holloway, who obviously has got the physical advantages of being so tall and all that kind of stuff. After that, he loses to Alexander Volkanovsky. Pound for pound, greatest fighter on the planet at the moment. After that, it says a loss to Marlon Moraes. If you watch that fight, he did not lose to Marlon Moraes. He beat Marlon Moraes. That was a win. So you've got Conor McGregor, Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky, and then you're looking at him dropping down to bantamweight and losing to Peter Yarn, who, again, one of the best fighters on the planet. And then after that, he's on a free fight win streak. Fights Mirab Devalishvili in altitude when Mirab's he, he strong didn't point turn to his, up that night. He didn't turn up, and the altitude, I think, was a big factor for a lot of fighters on that card. Yeah. And it just didn't go the way we all wanted to go. Don't get me wrong. I love Mirab. I think Mirab's a great fighter. I'm a big Mirab fan. But this was not the fight to make, in my opinion. They should have had Jose, I think, fighting for a belt or fighting someone like Dominic Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that was all a real, real shame, but it was what it was. Okay. It's just so, he needs to be seen as such a legend of the sport and someone that still, I think, to this day now, could put a three or four fight win streak together at bantamweight or at featherweight. Like, he is really, really good. Uh so yeah, I just I don't like the idea that he's only going to be remembered as the post Connor Aldo. Yeah, I, I think to your your average casual, then anyone that fights Connor will, will will always be the guy that fought Connor. But I think for anybody that that really loves MMA, they're all going to be 
going, it's a shame that we're about to see, you know, we're, we're no longer going to get to see one of the greats uh, that, that that was Jose. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolute legend. Uh, I've not seen huge amounts of Bellator. Um, did you want to touch on the um, Henderson, yeah. Peter Queeley um, card in Dublin? Not massively. Oh, okay. <laughs> there was a, there was the um, there was the Yoel Romero fight on that card, and he dispatched of Melvin Manhoof very very easily. Took him down, as well. and he retired. I mean, combined age of about ninety one. I think it was in the cage when Romero felt uh, for uh, Melvin. Ma- God, I can't speak Melvin Manhoof. Um. So yeah, I mean. There's, Joel Romero was talking about going back down to middleweight. I really don't want to see that. I think he's much better off staying at light heavyweight. Um, I think he'd have to prove that he could make it back down to 185. He's always struggled with that weight cut. And now he's older. He looks bigger. Just stay at 205 and do that. Um in terms of this weekend, I mean, the Peter Queeley fight as well, Benson won that. I mean, I've, I've not got a huge amount to, to, to say about it. No. Another um, win for former guest Leah McCourt as well. Uh, she's, oh, yes, uh, yes. I, I, from what I gather, she's over at Next Gen now. It looks like she's she's training at Next Gen, right. I believe. Well, I know she's been friends with Molly for a, a, a long time, I think. So that's that's great stuff. And, um, and that would only do well for both of them because Leah ideally needs help with her striking. Mm-hmm. And Molly probably needs more help with her ground game. So if those two are working together, I know there's a big size Win-win. difference there, but yeah. if those two are working together, that's fantastic. Um, in terms of this weekend, we had a few things going on. You had Patricio Pitbull beat uh, Borix by unanimous decision to stay the featherweight champion. But what I thought was maybe more interesting was uh, AJ McKee uh, moving up to lightweight and fight in Spike Carlisle. Uh, it was, if you haven't seen it, it's a really fun fight, particularly the first round. Spike Carlisle just runs at AJ McKee and just opens up, and it just goes a bit mental for the first couple of minutes. The kind of exchanges on the ground, the, the um, uh, those, those exchanges, uh, the jiu-jitsu and wrestling exchanges were all really, really fun. But then Spike Carlisle sort of gasses out and AJ really takes over, particularly in the third round, but in the second a bit as well. Um, so, yeah, but that was really, really fun, particularly the first round of that fight. AJ won that by a clear decision. Um, and then there was an interesting situation with Aaron Pico. And if you haven't heard of Aaron Pico, a lot of the Americans see him as like one of the brightest prospects in MMA overall. They're very, very, very high on Aaron Pico. He was sort of, Fast-tracked a bit too soon, had a few losses, but then has kind of regained his feet a little bit. He's still very young. Um, But he had his shoulder dislocated or something like that within the first minute of the first round of his fight. And he fought on till the end of the round, trying to pop his own shoulder back in place during the fight. Then he got to the... I know, he got to the corner... And his coach is like yanking at his arm, desperately trying to pop it back in place. And Aaron Pico is just there like, yeah, this is happening. Like he's not like screaming or looks like he's in loads of pain. I'm sure he was. And then, um, and then the, the doctor comes in and sort of stops it because they can't sort his arm. I don't know if there was actually maybe potentially a broken clavicle or something like that in there as well, but you could see. Oh, that yanking of his arm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he clearly he felt like his shoulder was just out of the socket and it needed to be popped back in place and they couldn't pop it back in place. But he was there like upset that he couldn't continue, like annoyed at the doctor and the ref. And you're like, Jesus Christ, this guy is tough as nails. They're weird um, fighters, aren't they? They're fucking so mad. Weird. <laughs> I'd be rolling around on the floor and he's just like fucking Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon trying to smash it against the locker or something. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy, crazy uh, scene. So if you haven't seen the Bellator this weekend, it was actually pretty decent. Um, win for JJ? Say, win for JJ as well, our old uh, mm. guest on the show, JJ Wilson. If you haven't checked out that interview, JJ Wilson is fucking mad. Like, it, it, it holds his breath for like five minutes whilst diving with sharks. He... Um, was it, he survived an armed robbery, took a bullet yep. and survived that, but dispatched of the armed robbers as well, like yep. took them down and like smashed them up. Insane episode, like, that. Proper superhero shit. It's one of our first episodes, so you've got to scroll through the back catalogue a little yeah. bit. But check out our interview with JJ Wilson. It's a corker. Um, and he's now at lightweight doing bits there. He struggled with his, uh, yep. yeah, he struggled with his weight cuts a little bit down at featherweight, now a lightweight, doing very, very well. Um and that is about it for me and Bellator, uh, uh, I think. Um, I don't. Is there anything else we particularly want to discuss? I just want to touch on the fact that uh, Corey Sandhagen's performance yes. was um, incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah, and you know, Song Yudong did really well as well. Uh, take nothing oh, away from him; his stock God. went up. He's still very young, but Sandhagen, yeah, showed showed that class. Showed that he's like, I think, rounding out his game a lot more with um, going for takedowns and stuff like that. Like. I think he learned a lot from the Petter Yarn fight yeah, uh, and about it being a five-round fight and also the TJ Dillashaw fight as well, which, mm-hmm. again, I still think he won that TJ Dillashaw fight. Um, but, yeah, he's doing well. And I suppose it sounds like the fight to make now is Corey Sandhagen versus Cheeto Vera. Sign me up all day long for that one. I cannot wait for that, if that happens, I'll be so excited. Sandhagen Vera will be an absolute cracker. Yeah, I'm all over that, mate. All over that. Um, okay, well, look, we'll, we'll be back. Um, I think next week you're going to catch um, our chat with John Hathaway, and you're in for oh. a treat there because John's story is absolutely remarkable. Um, Long time MMA fans will obviously know. Uh, like John from his his heyday in the UFC, beating the likes of uh, Rick Story uh, and um, Diego Sanchez, um, and then has been away and uh, and it's h- horrific what he's had to go through. Uh, and 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 you'll hear his story, and it's absolutely inspiring. And uh, and and yeah, and then you're going to get to see him fight uh, in Octagon on the fifteenth. Yeah, that's Octagon with a K. You can uh, you can go watch John's fight there. But honestly, um, in the, that's that's coming next week, and it's an absolutely cracking chat. And then we've got some big cards to talk about, and we? we've got the the card. Oh, the card! I mean, I almost want to just pull it. I know we're running late, but I almost need to pull this card out. I mean, the Makachev uh, Oliveira card is truly something to behold. It, it's got absolutely everything. Every fight on there is an absolute fucking corker. I'm just trying to pull it up now. Al Jamato, AJ versus Dillashaw, Peter Yan versus O'Malley, Darius versus Gamrot. Oh, blimey. What else have we got? What have we got? Bilal Mohammed, Sean Brady, uh, uh, Ustamir versus Krylov. Like, I mean, that is, I mean, good. Yarn versus O'Malley, as you mentioned. 
Dariush versus Gamrot is an absolute cracking fight. Yeah. Dariush should could really be going for a title shot. I can't believe he's ranked six. He should be much higher than that. Absolutely. And Gamrot is looking great. Uh, Bilal Mohammed, Sean Brady, what a fight that is at welterweight. That's an absolute cracker. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the whole Mikhaev as well. Got Mikhaev's fighting on that card. Yes, Mikhaev's fighting on that card. Oh, it is an absolute cracker. That main card, that is is outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous, that main card. Um, and then you've got some corkers on the prelims as well. Cannot wait for that. Cannot wait. We'll do a big preamble to that and then a post-show hopefully as well. We won't leave you hanging on the post-show like we did with 279. We'll have all that for you. you. The, the, the card after that, we have got to reach out to our boy Arnold Allen and see if we can get Arnold on for a chat. Um, heading up the card, fighting Calvin Katar. I mean, that's yes. going to be great. I mean, Absolutely. come on. like Arnold gets a win there. He's got to be, you know, pushing towards that title contention then, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, what would he be on a ten-fight win streak if he beats Calvin Cater? I mean, yeah, you can't you can't deny him any longer. Surely, I know that there's a bit of a problem at one forty-five, and got, Alexander Volkanovsky has said that he's going to try and make one fifty-five uh, as a backup for Islam versus Oliveira. So we'll see what happens there and what happens in general at one fifty-five, and if Volkanovsky goes up, but. Arnold Allen, obviously a former guest of the show now as well. Josh Emmett, he's got a case for a title shot. I would lean yeah. towards Arnold Allen just because of the amount of wins, but Emmett fans would probably say that maybe he's beat bigger names. But if Arnold Allen beats Calvin Cater, I think he surpasses Josh Emmett as the the next guy up for a title shot. But then Yair Rodriguez is floating about as well. So who knows what will happen there, but certainly going to be interesting. Yeah, and they're all good fights. All good fights. Right. Right. We're back next time. In the meantime, go check out the back catalogue. Over 100 episodes uh, are there to be listened to for free. Um, It's a real who's who of um, UFC, Bellator, Cage Warriors, PFL. We've had them all on. Uh, Go and have a little rummage in the archives and uh, and, and, and go and have a listen. And don't, whatever you do, miss next week's episode uh, with John Hathaway. It's an absolutely cracking listen, that one. Um, We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Give us a, a follow. And if you want any of them, drop us a line. Let us know you'd like to see us chat to um, or just give us a like, love, share or a retweet and uh, and nudge your mates and tell them to uh, come and listen to the MMA podcast. Um, Thanks ever so much for all your support this far and we'll be back next time, right, Blake? We will. Thanks very much, guys. Catch you later.